All right, so Michael Joyce will join us here shortly. He is running just a little bit behind. He's the Republican uh, Convention's Deputy Press Secretary, and we'll be talking to him momentarily. I also just was notified from uh, Stephen Smith, who uh, represents Congressman Hill, that he will not be able to join us today, but will join us tomorrow at 335 the whole schedule, according to Stephen Smith of the House, has gotten turned upside down. And uh, because of that, uh, the uh, the congressman will not be able to do uh, his interview with us as we had uh, anticipated. So know that that's going to happen tomorrow, that he will uh, join us. So we'll, we'll wait for Michael Joyce to give us, a, you know, a contact uh, here in just a few moments. We should be hearing from him. And we'll talk to him about uh, the Mexican tariffs, and we'll be talking about uh, Vice President Biden as well and his flip-flops that are going on uh, as well uh, as things are, are you know, continuing uh, as we speak. Anyway, it's the uh, way things are going right now. Uh, there's no telling who's going to show up on the show today. <laughs> Oh, it's it's just one of those days that things happen. You know, this is a, another story that I, I kind of had in my pile, and I would have gotten to it later uh, if we needed to, but since I need a few moments to fill with, I'm going to bring it up about Tim Allen. You know uh, that Toy Story 4 uh, is trending all over on Twitter right now, and it, it's also trending about uh, Tim Allen, and uh, it's not for what Disney would hope for. Uh, the star of uh, Toy Story 4, he's buzzed the voice of Buzz Lightyear, uh, uh, you know, now. Uh, and with Fox, after ABC uh, dropped his show Last Man Standing, is being branded as a racist and bigot for a comment about the N-word that he made six years ago. You know, they, they dig stuff up from the past and they make it sound like it happened uh, today. So uh, let me find this exactly so that I can uh, about this. Let's see. What exactly is the supposed evidence that Tim Allen is openly racist? Remember, this is from six years ago. And they said, this says that he's openly racist. The accusation appears to trace back to a comment that Allen made about the N-word six years ago. This is from the article from The Guardian six years ago. The uh, comedian and actor Tim Allen is in a spot of bother. It's out of a British newspaper, so bother would mean... In, He's getting uh, run into a little bit of, uh, you know, hot comments from other people this week, specifically for telling the Tampa Bay Times that he should be able to say the N-word. Allen condemned saying uh, that the uh, the N-word using in slang that he does it uh, as as much as he likes. Look, if I have no intent, if I show no intent, if I clearly am not a racist, then how can the word in 
be bad coming out of my mouth, asked Alan. Now, here's what I would have told Tim Allen. Don't try to use logic with illogical people. Now, he's, he's, he's standing on very good logic here. If what I'm saying, and I'm saying it, and it's not causing any harm, it's not meant in any harm, how can I be a racist? Uh, the comic who claimed to use the word regularly in his stand-up, funny that nobody said anything about his stand-up being racist, added that the phrase, the N-word, just using N-word, is worse to me than the real N-word. African-American commentators politely but firmly disagree. Here's what they have to say, and I've never understood this, but this is what they say. Here is a general rule of thumb to follow when using the N-word for white people. The sociologist, author, and radio host Michael Eric Dyson on MSNBC. What a big surprise that it comes from MSNBC. Never do it. So let's get this straight. Are there words now that are out there that... You can say because you happen to be a, first, uh, a certain ethnic group, color group, religious group, you can say certain words, but if I'm not the, the, the same color, if I'm not the same ethnic group, if I'm not the same religion, I can't say them. I don't understand that logic whatsoever. A word is a word. A word is a word. It's, it is what it is. Now, while Allen's critics made clear that they believe this comment is certifiable, quote, proof that he's openly racist, others have come to the actor's defense. Some argued that context matters. Well, don't bring context into it. It gets really crazy then. Quote, I'm sorry, but what he said may be wrong, but the word isn't just racist. Context is everything. You'd be racist for reading some uh, older books wrote one Allen defender, like um, Huckleberry Finn. Are you a racist if you read Huckleberry Finn? Uh, Okay, and he's racist. How? When not used in a derogatory context, it's not racist, said another. Others pointed out that the interview is six years old and that Allen's a comedian who works with, quote, edgy material. Quote, I mean, to be fair, he said it in his act, as far back as the 80s. Heck, heck, the article above is over six years old, and he's been doing it forever at that point. Not saying it's a good thing, but saying edgy stuff has always been his thing. I'll remind you what Lenny Bruce used to say. Uh, Now, for you who are listening to the show, that was back in the 50s. He used to say about language, because he was arrested many times because of using bad words, and one of the bad words that he used a lot was the F word, the F bomb, and he was arrested for it several times. He used to say, saying the word takes away the power of the word, and I think Lenny Bruce had it exactly right, because look, if you don't like what, what Lenny Bruce or any comedian says, don't see the show. 
They'll stop doing it or they'll go out of business. Same thing with movies, same way with music. It all works the exact same way. All right, I understand Michael. Just, we'll talk about this later. I was just talking about it because Michael was going to be a little late, and so I brought it up. Get you thinking about it. My, get your mental juices running. Michael Joyce is with us. He's the RNC Deputy Press Secretary. Michael, how are you? Welcome to the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you back on the air. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've already talked a little bit about biden i wanted to talk about biden today because uh i don't know if we should call him you know joe biden or should we call him uh you know carrie 2.0 i mean he's flip-flopping left and right now and they gave john Kerry all kinds of grief for that not to mention you know he's he's back to plagiarizing things what are we to make of this, uh, of Joe Biden? Look, I don't believe he's going to get the nomination, but this is a perfect example of a politician just being a politician. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, I think the biggest thing is there's a reason why he's a failed presidential candidate twice already. Uh, it doesn't seem to work out for him. And it seems like every time he says something, it turns into a gap instantly. I mean, look at his day in Iowa today. He told a, cl- a crowd in Clinton, you know, probably y'all don't know where Delaware is. Okay. Uh, he called uh, 5G Internet G5, and when asked about Bernie's socialism, he said 2020 Democrats are all on the same page, and he <laughs> ridiculously claimed that there were no scandals as vice president. So it seems like there's a good reason why they don't want a campaign trail, because it just seems to get worse and worse, and that's not even including his flip-flop on the Hyde Amendment or his mm-hmm. flip-flop on China either. So, you know, he just jumped in the race, too, and we got a long way to go. So if this is what's to come between now and uh, when Democrats finally secure their nomination for their candidate, I mean, he's in a world of trouble. If this is what we're going to come to expect day in and out, we haven't even had the first debate yet. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting when we have the first debate and some of these, I guess, uh, younger and more uh, liberal, left-leaning, progressive socialist Democrats start asking him some really pointed questions it's going to be very he's going to come across as a very old man on a very young stage would you agree absolutely i mean look at his uh, event that he had in iowa yesterday it was in a theater where it's a 664 seat theater they didn't have it in the actual theater they had it in the lobby of the theater because there weren't even a lot of folks that wanted to come out and just for the record president trump held an event in the same place and had over 2,000 people show up so that shows you where <laughs> the enthusiasm is for joe biden right now and I watched his entire speech yesterday, you know, to take a, a nickname from the president. He did look incredibly sleepy, just looked kind of weak on uh, out on the campaign trail out there. And, you know, again, it's just we're seeing exactly why they don't want him campaigning, because every time he goes out there, something ridiculous happens or he says something incredibly stupid that turns off voters and is only going to hurt him moving forward once we get to the first debate. And you have every single 2020 Democrat sharpening the knives on the debate stage. Yeah, I'm going to I think I'm going to get his uh, from uh rush hour i'm going to get uh, tucker's thing can you understand the words that are coming out of sight of my mouth because you, you got to pay attention to what the guy's saying let me just quote yesterday china poses a serious challenge to the u.s and in some areas a real threat and just two weeks ago he said that that wasn't the case yeah, and we saw with the Hyde Amendment, too, where he yeah. came out and said, you know, I support it. And I was going, oh, no, 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 I don't support it. So we're gonna, I think you're going to see him continue to flip-flop. 
I think he doesn't have a strong message other than I'm Barack Obama's best friend. But by the way, I asked President Obama not to endorse. So even that's a flip flop, too. So (laughs) we're up to three flip flops now. Um, And again, yeah, I think the only reason he's a front runner is it's incredibly early. He has the name ID, but I think you're going to see along the way on the campaign trail more gaps like this, more embarrassing moments and more creepy things where he's talking to a 13 year old girl out on the campaign trail. And the number one thing he says to her isn't, you know, well, you can grow up to be president one day or some kind of words of encouragement. He says, oh, you know, make sure the brothers look out for her. And they put her in kind of, he put her in this kind of sexual capacity as a 13 year old girl. I mean, that's just disgusting. So I think we know why people call him Creepy Joe or Sleepy Joe. There's a lot of different acronyms or nicknames you could use for him. But, uh, man, to be this early into the race and to be having such major gas like this, that would be a huge red flag to me. And you know the other 2020 Democrats are only going to amplify these things once we get to the first debate uh, down in Miami. Maybe I shouldn't compare him to John Kerry. Maybe I should <laughs> I should compare him to Jeb Bush. Because uh, a few years ago, Bush was the man to beat for, uh, you know, the nomination. And within just a few weeks, you know, he fell out of he fell out running once the debate started. Right. And I think, you know, the 2016 election, that was absolutely kind of the year of the outsider candidate. That's yeah. what allowed someone like President Trump to come around. And that's what allowed someone like Bernie Sanders to come around. And I think at the end of the day, I think Americans uh, across the board and across the political spectrum are still looking and saying we're sick and tired of these career politicians who come in, say the same old sorry things, don't get anything done for us in Congress. Um, and you're seeing that play out right now with all the Democrats in the House. They're not focused on actually doing anything for the American people. They're just focused on obstructing and resisting, moving forward with impeachment proceedings, issuing more subpoenas, trying to redo the special counsel that took two years and $35 million with unfettered access from the White House. And they don't want to do anything now. So it's going to be a huge problem going forward for sure. All right. So let's talk about something else uh, that has been on everybody's lips the last few days, uh, Michael, and that is uh, the tariffs against Mexico. And now how the Democrats trying to play this out like, well, this was already decided. It didn't really happen. And we've already had Pompeo come out and totally uh, show that that was a BS statement. The president knows what he's doing. And Mexico now is going to take a more active part in controlling the border. I liked how Vice President Pence put it. He said Mexico now is doing more on the border than the Democrat Party. A hundred percent. That's absolutely right. And when you look at everything happening on our border now, when you have over 144,000 illegal immigrant apprehensions last month, uh, that's a 60 percent increase from April and a 200 percent increase from uh, two years ago in May. So there's a legitimate crisis there. And, yeah, I think the president and Republicans are right to be saying that Mexico is doing more because they're actually deploying troops, uh, National Guard members at their southern border with Guatemala. And they're going to start holding some folks in Mexico because they know that our system here and our detention systems are completely overwhelmed. And I think the most interesting stat uh, that our acting uh, DHS secretary said the other day was that when people come here, they're gaming the system and trying to seek asylum. And the craziest part is 90 percent of the asylum seekers don't even show up to their hearings. So it just goes to show how uh, 
severe this issue is and how much people are willing to go out and just try to game the system. And then the other thing I saw that was incredibly troubling, there was an article in The Hill a couple weeks ago that said people are now renting children at the border to play into this uh, asylum-seeking system where they're gaming the system. This is a legitimate humanitarian and national security crisis. You hear it from everybody, from former Obama officials, uh, from Republicans, from President Trump day in and out. And the president's absolutely right to be doing anything in his power because the Democrats refuse to act. Congress refuses to act. And we have to do something about this to secure the border and stop these issues from happening. So, again, President Trump, you heard it last week. Secretary Pompeo met with Mexican officials last week and a deal got done over the weekend. And this is a great win for the country and it's a great win for the president. I just got to tell you, it, it amazes me that the Democrats keep fighting this president on everything he's doing. What he what he did with Mexico, to me, was a stroke of genius, wasn't it to you? Absolutely, yeah. I think when you put that kind of pressure on our, on our allies, it shows how quickly they're willing to come to the negotiating table and work with us. I mean, you're even seeing this with China and other countries as well, too. But what really stands out to me with the, the deal with Mexico is the fact that the president's a very blunt negotiator. He comes out right after we're in the process of uh, having the USMCA trade deal accomplished and goes, you know what, we need to do something about border security. I don't have any power from Congress because they refuse to act on anything. So we're going to issue tariffs. It's the one thing and the one tool I have in my toolkit as president to move forward and get them to the negotiating table. They showed up immediately. Last week, while they were in negotiations, Mexican officials stopped a thousand-person caravan at their southern border in Mexico. So they acted immediately. And I think the Democrats don't know what to do, and their heads are spinning because this president is someone out there who uses different tactics but actually gets things done. And that's the biggest issue they have heading into 2020 now, is you have a president who's actually getting things done for the American people, and you have a Democratic Party who's only focused on impeachment proceedings right now. So there's a stark contrast between Republicans and Democrats right now. But the way President Trump handled Mexico uh, and issuing the threat of tariffs, I mean, we saw it worked. And you see these things happen with the president where he comes out with a bold statement. But how quickly do you see our allies or adversaries or whoever come to the negotiating table immediately and say, okay, let's work on this. Let's make a deal. And nobody wants to make a deal more than this president with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats to secure the border, but they just don't want to do it because they're only focused on 2020 elections now. They no longer care about getting anything done for the American people. And frankly, they haven't cared about getting anything done for the American people since the day President Trump took office. Yeah. And and I agree with everything you just said. It's exactly spot on. It really, really is. So as we watch this play out uh, on the uh, the Democrat side, I mean, they're not talking about how great the economy is. They're not talking about uh, the president uh, with these tariffs or, or forcing people to do things that they shouldn't do. Here's what the Democrats do. They call out the president on what he did to our friends in Mexico. But what did they say when the president moved uh, the embassy uh, to uh to uh, Jerusalem, they said, well, what did we get from Israel for doing this? Well, isn't Israel supposed to be our friend? Right. And they're our strongest uh, democratic ally in a very volatile uh, Middle Eastern region right now. So we should absolutely be standing with Israel and supporting Israel and doing more to help them with defense because they have people knocking on their door like the Iranians who want to wipe them off the face of the planet. So it's troubling. And you're hearing 2020 Democrats out there like Pete Buttigieg now saying, I would take away help from uh, Israel if they do certain things in their country and things like that. And you're hearing all the anti-Semitic rhetoric 
that Nancy Pelosi and House Democrats are letting just slip through the cracks and not making a big stink out of it at all. And it's just it's unbelievable what they're doing now. But every single thing this president does, they're trying to find a way to argue against it. But he's kept his promises. And the biggest thing where you mentioned uh, moving the United States embassy in Israel to Jerusalem, that's something that President Obama came on, yeah. uh, campaigned on. That's something that uh, George W. Bush campaigned on. This is a promise that's been made by a lot of presidents in years past, but none of them actually did it before President Trump. And you heard him say with the economy, too, you saw Barack Obama mock him saying, I don't know what this guy thinks he has. He has some kind of magic wand or something. We're still hitting over 3% growth in our GDP right now. Mm-hmm. Unemployment's at record lows for almost every demographic across the country, for African-Americans, for women, Latinos, and across the board. I don't think you can make an argument against this economy right now. And it's kind of hilarious listening to 2020 Democrats try to go around the country and stump in places like Michigan saying, He's not looking out for your jobs when there's thousands of jobs coming in from auto companies who are investing billions of dollars uh, in the Michigan. People like Fiat Chrysler, they're investing $4.5 billion and creating 7,000 new jobs in Michigan. So the facts are pretty cold, hard facts, and they're hard to deny. So, again, it's going to be great listening to Democrats uh, try to make it sound like this is a bad economy right now that isn't working for people because their biggest argument is that wage growth isn't accelerating when it actually is. So. They're going to have a hard time arguing with facts, and I can't wait to see President Trump on a debate stage against whoever comes out of this yes. uh, 2020 Democratic field and try to say that the economy is not doing well for people across the board. Uh, whether you're a low-skilled worker or a college-educated worker, this economy is working for every single American in this country right now. So it's going to be pretty fun watching them squirm on the stage when President Trump has a lot of uh, results that he's delivered for the American people to campaign on. Our guest, Michael Joyce, he's the Republican National Convention, uh, Convention Deputy Press Secretary. Hey, Michael, last question for you. Did you see the recent story that uh, Democrats who won uh, back red seats districts uh, in the last election are telling their party to lay off the impeachment talk because it could cause them to lose next year? Yeah, I've absolutely seen that. And, you know, I think the big thing is when you go back and look at the 2018 midterm cycle, that wasn't a wave election because typically we know that history says you lose seats once your party takes control of the White House and you lose seats in the House and you lose seats in the Senate. Well, we gained seats in the Senate and in the House we had 43 retirements last year and they're in a huge conundrum now because you are seeing some of these uh, Democrats that are now freshmen and came out and won saying, if you move forward with impeachment, we're in trouble. And there was a poll today that just came out and said 61% of Americans from Republicans to independents to Democrats don't want to see impeachment proceedings. So the Democrats are in a lot of trouble because their base is rabid. They're demanding impeachment proceedings and they're demanding socialist policies right now. So heading into a general election with those two uh, issues on your hand, you know, best of luck to you against this president and his promises made and promises kept, because I don't think they stand a very good chance at all on a debate stage when they say, well, we tried to impeach you even though you didn't commit a crime. And by the way, uh, we'd like to have over $130 trillion got, in new uh Got to join policy. in, Mike. Jump, jump in, Michael. We're out of time. Thank you much. Thank you for having me.